Hi, and welcome back to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. We know you're busy, and we want to make it easy for you to understand how conflict may likely be showing up in a way that's impacting your team negatively. We've recorded the first three chapters of our book for you to listen to for free. Get your free audio sample at thriveinc.com forward slash free sample. That's T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C dot com forward slash F-R-E-E-S-A-M-P-L-E. Hi, I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Romy Mushtop, who is a board-certified physician who brings together more than two decades of leadership in neurology, integrative medicine, and mindfulness. She's an award-winning speaker working with Fortune 500 companies, professional athletes, and global associations. Her brain shift programs improve mental well-being and help to build a culture of wellness. Dr. Romy serves as Chief Wellness Officer for Evolution Hospitality, where she scaled a mindfulness and wellness program to over 7,000 employees. Good job. Her expertise is featured in the national media, such as NPR, NBC, TED Talks, and Forbes. Her first book, The Busy Brain Cure, is due to release this January in 2024. You can learn more about her at drromi.com. So we are excited to have you, Dr. Romy. Susan, thank you both so much for hosting me. I'm a fan of your work when I knew I was coming onto your podcast and really also give gratitude to your listeners. I don't take time for granted in today's world. And thank you for putting us between your ears. Uh, yes. And this is, I'm sure our audience is going to love this because we just are so in line with what I understand so far from the work you've been doing and I'm fascinated to hear more. And I also, I kind of got, we'd love to start with why is this your passion? Aside from just your professional passion, because you have a story behind this. That an kinda origin story. An origin story that we like sure. to also include in this. Thank you for asking. My origin story here in the United States and Illinois, I'm a daughter, proud daughter of immigrants. And English is my third language. Wow. <laughs> Yes. And I don't know what it's like for you all when you went to school, but back then and even today, you get a label as ESL, English as a second language. And the education system can write you off as you won't ever be successful, which my dad, my mom, and my tribe of aunties were not going to hear that. They burst into <laughs> school and said, we have one daughter and she will become a doctor. Yes. So in that community of aunties, I was raised in with sass and storytelling to be a steminist and who I am today. And so you fast forward, I get to medical school, I graduate with honors and entered neurology at a time where less than 5% of the brain doctors in the U.S. were women and loved my work, just like you both did, an affinity for neurology and the research I was doing for women with epilepsy. I just wasn't managing my stress. I was being a doctor, doing research, being a dutiful daughter, teaching medical students, and sacrificing sleep, wearing stress as a badge of honor. And I found out that this chronic stress can kill you. Mm. I died and I should have known better. I'm a brain doctor, right? And so that started me on the journey. And fast forward to today when I'm recording this podcast of where we are here today. It was what I thought was a personal healing journey. And now I realize that this is not just about doctors and nurses in healthcare systems globally. This is a universal crisis. And when I get invited to 
meet high-performing leaders like both of yourselves, let alone large teams, the last thing anybody wants to hear is, who just eat berries and breathe. This Instagram video of puppies and you're going to feel better. Needed to come up with a solution. And here we are. And and, and that's a high level origin story. But ask me anything like I you all are great at digging deep. I love it. I appreciate dealing with your own. Here you are awesome professional and confronted with the habits that create probably this chronic stress reaction in your brain. And you're studying the brain. I mean, we the irony. I know. uh, Even during COVID, we became much more, Susan and I became much more sensitive to stress and followed, we had Jill Bolte-Taylor on the whole brain and her being a neurologist and going through that and even study with Dr. Joe Dispenza around how to reduce the stress. So brain stuff is recognizing the brain rules everything in the body. Oh my. And I mean, not that I'm going to take away from any of what you're saying about the brain, but also (laughs) the circumstances of your life where without even realizing, I mean, it sounds like you had a wonderful, in so many ways, your family was so supportive and a tremendous amount of stress. If they just decide pretty young, you're going to be a doctor. (laughs) You you hear that. But honestly, as a child, I appreciated that my dad was all, both of them immigrants and the hard work ethic Mm -hmm. modeled and a love for education. So excellence was the standard in our house. It was just all I knew. So I can't say as a child, it was stressful because I was loved and cared for and nurtured. Yes, uh, yeah, that combination makes yes. it. And, and so what it was, once I got to medical school and the internship and the years of residency and fellowship and then working, it was like about 14 years of chronic sleep deprivation in a high performing situation. Mm-hmm. And what That is the world today in the post-pandemic world, correct? In that it doesn't matter who you are and what industry, whether you love your job or you're in a toxic work culture, we know that 82% of employees, according to World Health Organization, the American Psychological Association, similar data in Canada, are chronically stressed or burned out. And I'm here to say, to your point of the pandemic, these systems and strategies and tips that we had prior to the pandemic are no longer relevant. This isn't about acute stress. This is about now the brain has been reset at a capacity for chronic stress. One little thing happens, like the audio going out, God forbid, in the middle of this interview, and people go zero to 60 with negative emotions faster than a Porsche. That's what I've been studying is how do you help that crisis? I love that. So tell us what's going on in the brain. Yeah. From, because yeah. you're studying it when the zero to 60, like reset a new normal of stress. And, and I mean, can everyone that's listening to this podcast relate? Have you been in a situation the last couple of years where you're like, God, that seems like a small thing. Why is this person flying up off the handle? Because the store and the grocery line is too long or a, a piece of luggage got lost by the airline. This seems like an extreme reaction. And same in the workplace. You go into as a leader to hold a meeting about an agenda and operations, a project needs to be done. And you're like, why are people's emotions off the handle or nobody is focusing? And that's what I started to study. So when the world shut down in the pandemic, I had this unique opportunity to now start presenting virtually. And mental health and stress was on everyone's mind. And I took a neuropsychology test, a stress test, and labeled it the busy brain test that actually 20 simple questions you take that tell you, 
One, are you under chronic stress or burnout? And how are, is it affecting symptoms of your brain, cognitive health, your mental health, and your physical health? And we had 17,000 people in our research period of two years take this test. So it gave me this incredible amount of data mm. on what the state of the brain of the global workforce looked like. I knew right away we needed to change what that looked like and what is that pattern specifically. We see in high-performing individuals, nobody wants to be told, hey, work a four-hour work week. Take a self-care sabbatical. I, I mean, we're all, people are dedicated teachers, hotel general managers, national sales leaders, pharmacists, uh, bankers. They love their jobs and they need to pay a mortgage and take care of children or elderly loved ones. They, this is not a reality. So what could I do to help them? And I had to figure out like what was going on with these symptoms and it came up this pattern over and over again, busy brain. And in clinical terms, and we can break down the symptoms in a second if that's interesting, it was this, that people are complaining they can't focus anymore. In fact, adult onset ADD, ADHD, feeling low level anxiety all the way to panic attacks during the day, thinking, what's wrong with me? Can't, I can't just cut it anymore. And then you, you go home and you're like, let me take the evening off or spend time with loved ones. And you can't shut down your brain from work. And you put your head down on the pillow at night and you're wired and you're tired, but you can't shut off those 72 conversations and racing thoughts going on. And you're perseverating on one simple thing of, oh my God, I did that whole interview with Chris Marie and Susan and I had lipstick on my tooth, right? You're, you're perseverating on like the smallest nuanced issue ever, or you're waking up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to bed. And that's a busy brain specific pattern of neuroinflammation from chronic stress and burnout that leads to these three symptoms. And that's what I am focused on. And the three symptoms are? Can't focus, anxiety, and insomnia. And I think it's like you're saying, you have, this, you have this huge data set. I'm sure you're actually growing your data set. And it's a lot of the same information. So I think it is an epidemic. Absolutely. I went to medical school. I'll admit it was in the days of cassette tapes and CDs and podcasts weren't a thing back then or YouTube. <laughs> Aging myself here a little bit with pride. We didn't recognize adult onset attention deficit disorder or ADHD. It wasn't a thing. If you had it as an adult, you must have had it as a child. But what we know from the medical literature is our lifestyles and the chronic stress that we're under right now is actually rewiring our brains so that our attention span is decreasing and our inability to focus persists. And this is costing the business world billions of dollars a year in productivity and lack of employment engagement. Because you're going to make me sit through a 30 or 60 minute Microsoft Teams or Zoom meeting and you lost my focus at nine seconds. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, with a busy brain. And so it, it's a crisis. Yeah. One of the things, because I one of the blogs I read that you wrote was about the whole concept of quiet quitting, which became kind of a thing. And I loved how you said, this is a doctor, not a talker, talk, not a TikToker talking about this and kind of broke it down to some science behind that idea of quiet quitting. And most, I think you said that it was primarily one of the hardest hit populations was women and people of color. Plus, there's already a stress level associated with there, that. There's this, yeah, external pressure on women um, to be caregivers. So they tend to have three jobs. Or your paid career, your W-2 job or 1099 job in the U.S. as we call it, you're managing a household and the chores in the house and having children or being a caregiver to elderly loved ones. And those are multiple jobs without help or assistance. And the demands became too large. And 
So that factor was there and a lack of support or understanding. But then there's these internal systems that can also play. Why, as a a female doctor and two powerful female thought leaders as yourself, this is really important for me is because too many women write off going, I must be getting older and I can't handle this job anymore, or I'm anxious, I'm inferior, I don't have the confidence. And there's actually a root cause of why this busy brain and burnout is happening. That if you go through this protocol and do the labs, I identified in the research and we tested it on a thousand executives and we save lives and jobs every cycle that we do this with companies. Can you talk about what are the main interventions in your protocol to help bring down that stress level in the brain? Yeah, thank you. So as I said, berries and breathing no longer work. No one wants (laughs) that quick tip that you see in an Instagram reel and you're like, this didn't work. What's wrong with me? The root cause was five key areas and we call it brain shift and shift is an acronym. And I'll go through all five and then ask me all the detailed questions you want. S is for sleep or circadian rhythm. Our circadian rhythm and biological clock is completely disturbed. Not only our sleep-wake cycle, but our control tower of all functions. Mm-hmm. Two, H is hormones, specifically thyroid hormone can become imbalanced. Mm-hmm. I is markers of inflammation. Example, vitamin D is in diamond, D3 levels. F is the way we use food to fuel ourselves without going on a diet. Diets are a curse word in my world. And T is the role of technology and how technology is fueling that, right? So those are the five key areas and root causes. And look, three of us, if we all had did the busy brain test and have a score above 30, which is indicating you have a busy brain and effect of chronic stress, we all have a different pattern of those five things. Mm. So it's like all the sweaters we're all wearing today on the call if people are lucky to see the video. One size doesn't fit all. Right? That is amazing. This, so one of the things, and this is also... For me, stress, but also going through menopause. Yeah. Stress makes menopause harder. And the sleep thing, oh my gosh, I'm waking up. Of course, I'll go to bed early. I'm not resisting that. But then the not able to go to sleep and the stress. Waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With or without hot flashes, by the way, women don't realize that you, one of the earliest symptoms of premenopause, even before menstruation ceases completely, is actually just disturbed sleep and waking up in the middle of the night. So how do you help people with that piece? Yeah. Here is the thing that we found in our research that was really alarming to me, and thank you for asking, is do a full thyroid panel to start with for women. Once you've started menstruation, women get all sorts of labels of you have irregular periods because you're stressed, you have PCOS, you have endometriosis, you're in premenopause, you're in menopause, and all those things could or could not be true. But at one out of eight women in the Western world, thyroid disease is missed. Because a primary care, you'll hear this podcast, people will read the book, they'll be like, oh my gosh, Chris Marie, Susan, thank you so much. You'll go and a doctor will only check a TSH. It's one out of eight labs that have to be checked. And in chapter 16 of the book, we have the entire lab list that we say, rip this out or download it online and take it to your doctor and get that full thyroid panel checked. Because when we're under chronic stress and the busy brain center, that hypothalamus is disturbed, it doesn't only disturb our sleep-wake cycle, it disturbs the regulation of the thyroid gland as well. Mm-hmm. And now if the thyroid gland is off, by the way, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone in a woman are going to be off, and menopause symptoms can be early or more severe. And so often that is, if anybody got one thing out of this, it's I'm a woman on a mission, one out of eight women. And if you're a woman of color, one out of four women have thyroid disease, autoimmune thyroid disease. I mean, this part is 
heartbreaking. I, I don't know. It's maybe odd to share on your podcast, but just this moment of vulnerability. I, I share it in chapter three and four. I was doing research on women's hormones in the brain as epilepsy. And I would read this going, God, I sound like I have a thyroid. I've never had a regular period in my life. And my hair is falling out in massive chunks. And I went and I gave my power to some man who was like, your TSH is normal. And I had fertility issues. And it wasn't until I got sick and got out of the hospital and found an integrative medicine doctor before I even did my own integrative medicine fellowship. And I'm now 39 telling them all these years, for 15 years, I've been wondering, I think I have a thyroid. And they did that full panel. And it turns out I have autoimmune Hashimoto's thyroid disease. Oh my and they treated. And now at 39 is the first time I had a regular menstrual cycle. Wow. Wow. But I, I really appreciate your story and your own inner knowing that was blocked by the patriarchal male doctor that says, Preach, no, no, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if one thing we say is own your power and your voice or find another doctor or yeah. give them a copy of this book or, or a podcast episode to listen to. I have to say, I've taken thyroid medicine since mm -hmm. 41 and mm -hmm. now I'm on estrogen and progesterone, but I don't yeah. know if our naturopath, if we've done the full, so I'm going to go get my full panel. You can say you've been taking thyroid medicine since you were 41, but as our life circumstances and chronic stress ebbs and flows and our age, the demands of your thyroid will change. And so you may not need that same one medicine. And we have to make sure T3 and T4 are okay. And that nutrition has been optimized as well with that. And then, yeah, then your next question about menopause and hormones. I mean, this is meant to be medical education. I'm not a doctor treating you as a patient, of course, or anyone that's listening. But please, yeah, what I know as a female brain doctor is there's too much fear around taking estrogen, progesterone, and even testosterone if you need it as a woman in premenopause or menopause. And it's really false. It's based on outdated data on synthetic hormones. And we actually know the latest data that has come out is women who were in premenopause or early stages of menopause and took estrogen progesterone, they were 10 times less likely to get Alzheimer's dementia. So estrogen and progesterone actually protect your brain function down the road. But that's not even why I'm here. I want you to fix the busy brain now, right? Yeah, exactly. and, and that's it. And, and and yes, for some women, they will need progesterone as well. It is neuroprotective and can help sleep. But I always start with thyroid. I love mm. it. I love it. Okay, let's go into uh, D3. Why is D3 so important for inflammation control? We, in medicine, we need someone to rebrand and remarket vitamin D3. <laughs> when we hear the word vitamin, we just toss it aside like our one-a-day chewables and don't think it's important. And actually... Vitamin D3 is a pro-hormone or super hormone. We as women have 50 different hormones in our brain and body that control everything. I'm not just talking estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and thyroid, everything. And none of those hormones can come to effective level, even if you're taking thyroid, estrogen, progesterone, unless you have adequate vitamin D3 levels. Wow. And when we're under chronic stress or a busy brain, guess what happens to the metabolism of the D3? It becomes defunct. And you're like, oh, Romy, you live in Florida. I'm in Canada. Your D3 is fine. No. And, and for all my Canadian brothers and sisters who come down south for the winter, welcome. But you being in sunshine weather for two weeks or three months does not help. We know that there's vitamin D3 deficiency even in the sunshine states. 
because of chronic stress. So the only way to rectify it, trust me, I'm not a doctor that likes to push supplements, but vitamin D3 is typically the one that I will absolutely hands down promote and say, please take it. Excellent. Uh, okay. okay. You and based it. on your level, based on your level as yeah. well. The next thing Susan, Susan and Chris Marie, everybody asks is what's the dose? And I'm like, it depends on your level. So please get that checked. Mm, that would be the same sort of blood test that you're going to get the full thyroid. Mm. You can say, hey, can you test my D3? Yep, exactly. Um, estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, this isn't just a menopause conversation because of yes. the ages of the three of us. This is a conversation I have with men and women in their 20s and 30s, because the same way we see estrogen progesterone affected in women, we see men in their 20s and 30s with really lower declining testosterone levels. And maybe a smart enough doctor would check it, but they miss the thyroid in a man that's chronically stressed in D3. Wow. Well, in concept. Let's go okay. food for fuel. Let's talk about that, not berries. Let's talk about this. So diet is a four-letter curse word yes. in my world. And uh, I speak for a living, as you graciously uh, read my introduction, and I got a standing ovation once in the middle of my talk when I was going through this data, and it was the American Counseling Association in Toronto that I was speaking to. So there's three reasons that I don't want anyone in the new year to go on a diet. One is any diet plan you choose, I don't care what it is, going vegan, Whole30, paleo, low carb, intermittent fasting. The food you're going to prepare and the way you're going to do it is actually going to raise stress hormone levels in your brain. Mm, and now you're trying to control something, right? You're trying to control something that's unnatural to your cycle. Right. And it's actually going to affect your leptin and ghrelin, your hormones and metabolism. The second thing is now you're eating forced to eat berries. And maybe I would tell you, hey, I love fresh berries in Florida in the, in the summertime when they're in season. But now creating trauma tracks in your brain around the food you like. The third reason, as you mentioned, I'm a chief wellness officer for a global organization. And the diet plans that are pushed in the new year or year round are very Eurocentric. They don't account for the foods that are sacred to people's religion, country of origin, state of origin, a, a family recipe. I give this example in the book of I'm not the best cook, but during the pandemic, I learned to make my beloved Punjabi grandmother's lamb biryani. Oh. And there's that evil voice saying, you're a wellness expert. You're nothing in this recipe of anti-inflammatory. Wow. And I'm like dishonoring the family sacred memories of my maternal grandmother and her famous lamb biryani recipe. And so, by the way, at the end of the book, we have all my loved ones shared comfort food recipes. So we actually tell people when you're on this protocol, this eight-week protocol, eat scheduled comfort food once to twice a week. So if child or grandchild is having a birthday, don't subconsciously or consciously show all the children like cupcakes are bad. I'm not going to have this ice cream. You're celebrating a child's birthday. Yeah. Enjoy it. It's interesting. So, Let me see if I've got this because this sounds a colleague of ours, Susan Hyatt, has her bear protocol. Yeah. It's no diet. Eat, follow your body. And it sounds like because if I'm trying to do a diet that automatically creates stress in my brain, how do I create trauma tracks around berries in the middle of winter? Tell me, I didn't quite get that one. So I'm going to use the example of my grandmother's lamb biryani again, or, oh. or you may like to eat berries or whatever it is. <laughs> So now I have this trauma and guilt and shame around lamb biryani when it's anchored into a core memory 
of joy and happiness around family. There are people that love berries, but now if I force you to eat it year round, you must get three cups a day for enough antioxidants. Now it's creating guilt and shame and trauma instead Mm. of, I remember as a child going to pick strawberries from the fields and as a core memory, you're conflicting with the core memory of love and joy. So what we actually do in weeks five and six of the protocol is biohack your nutrition. And the idea is if you're going to have a food that spikes your blood sugar, which is like white rice, white sugar, white flour, white potatoes, then no caffeine for an hour before or after. Or if you're going to have caffeine, then nothing that spikes your blood sugar. So really at this point, my auntie is like, hi, we can't have biscuits with that afternoon chai, but not typically to do that. And what we found is independent of your pancreas and type 2 diabetes mellitus, there's something known as type 3 diabetes or insulin resistance in the brain. This will fuel a busy brain and inability to focus. If you're jacking your brain up on caffeine and sugar, those peaks and lows, brain separate from your blood sugar and your body. And so you pick one or the other. What typically happens is people gravitate towards caffeine. They're naturally cutting out blood sugar spikes. And by this, we've reset their circadian rhythm in weeks one through four that the sugar cravings and stress eating stops and belly brain bloating goes down and so does belly bloating. And week six is how you fuel yourself. We give you a list of healthy fats and say, could you please add one to two servings with every meal? It's as simple as that. You eat pasta with marinara sauce or lasagna, fabulous. Just add extra olive oil to it or have a little bit of an avocado slice in it. And that simple thing now frees everybody from this toxic, harmful diet culture. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And this is so timely in January, the turn of the year. I love it. Yeah, until. Okay. What's your comfort food? You heard me talk about lamb but I want to know both of you. Do you have a family food or comfort foods there and where you live? Spaghetti. My mom used to make spaghetti. I'm an army brat, so we lived all over. But spaghetti, I'm like, oh, can you make that for my birthday? And chocolate cake and chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> uh, mine would have to be chicken pot pie. I love oh. it. You know. okay. But I haven't had it in so long because I've told myself I shouldn't eat it. But now I'm going to please go and and send me a picture and I'm going to post it on my social media with your podcast episode. Now, can I ask a question? Did you make chicken pot pie from scratch or was it the store-bought stuff? Because I don't know that I've ever learned how to make it from scratch. No, I have had it from scratch, but not from, that's not what I grew up loving. We had it, we made our own we heated it up. My mom worked. In it. So but I, mom, that was my favorite. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, you're going to have to send me your favorite brand. And sometime when it gets cool okay. down here, I'm going to have a chicken pot pie in your honor. And if I can find a place to ship Lambriani to you, I will. In um, your okay. We will give you okay. our, our ship. That's awesome. Amazing. Okay, let's talk technology, because I know that's a huge impact to bring yeah. Listen, I live in the real world and I know if you're in college, you are on a computer screen taking notes or reading books. It wasn't like when I was in medical school and I was carrying a 20 pound book for every subject I was studying, right? I, I get that. And same with if you're working. So many people work remote and we're on these Zoom and Teams meetings all day long. I actually did a study with Evolution Hospitality where I'm now chief wellness officer and I asked 500 of the top leaders to shut down all digital devices, all technology, including smart TVs and Kindles or e-readers 30 to 60 minutes before bedtime. And mind you, this is a company that manages hotels that are 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And the idea was 
if there's an emergent work situation, somebody's going to pick up the phone and call, but you're not going to be looking at work emails like that. And the results were astounding. We did this to the 500 top leaders, and you'll read about this in chapter nine, about half the people got through it. The other half said, this is too hard. So we now had an internal control group. We could compare yeah. groups. It was genius. I didn't plan it. <laughs> God, the universe was on my side. And we saw that the group that did digital detox in under 21 days, their workplace stress was reduced, sleep improved, and anxiety was reduced. And they did so well. It, it was stronger than had I given people a prescription sleeping or anxiety pill. Wow. Uh, and so we brought that as a part of the protocol. And to this day, the 21-day digital detox program is our most popular requested program. And that becomes step three or week three in your protocol is instead of the mind-numbing things we're doing or the busy brain that creates this false narrative of, let me just knock out a few more emails or work on that for, or before I go to bed, because you never get satisfied. There's, am I right? There's always 17 more things to do. Mm -hmm. A minute you open your laptop and you do, this is what starts to restore the circadian rhythm because the light from these devices, all light, but especially blue light, will tell the busy brain center of the hypothalamus to suppress serotonin and melatonin, the feel good and sleep good hormones. And you're wondering why you're looking at your partner and y'all don't love each other no more. It's because yeah. both of you are holding an e-reader. And yes. scrolling and trolling on social media or doing work and like the intimacy and the feel good bonding hormones and energy is not there. Wow. And so your detox is not so much going off technology altogether, but primarily the hour and a half, you said before. No, 30 to 60 30, minutes. 30 to 60 minutes. Oh, wow. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I, I live in a world like running... I'm a chief wellness officer yeah. running my own company speaking and getting this book out into the world. Like, yeah. I can't keep up my digital yeah. devices. I, I'm good. I don't know about you. You know, like, it's realistic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Romy, real talk. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I God bless the spiritual teachers that are like, go out in nature for a week and leave all devices behind. And the people I serve, right. we maybe don't have the luxury or the time. We have yeah. too many life responsibilities to go on a self-care sabbatical like that. If you can go, great. But I kind of live Although in Although that may put a different kind of stress on your body. If, <laughs> if really all you do is go away from something for three And then worry about it. And then worry about, worry about, about it. And go right back into Thank it. That's you. Kind of yeah. 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 You know, so this is realistic, which is... You're kind of you know, like integrating the shifts in the daily life yeah. so you can still... Yes. You yeah. Work. And, and they were designed that they're micro habits that stack upon each other. So you most people, if your score is above a 30, need to start with the sleep. If you go straight to the nutrition because you're like, oh, brain and belly bloating down. If you have reset your circadian rhythm, mm. we haven't helped the digestion hormone pathways from the brain. It's key. They just stack on one another weeks one through eight. And literally at the end of eight weeks, people have a profound, measurable shift not only in their busy brain test score, but in their symptoms. I love it. We kind of skipped over sleep. I mean, we did start, we, we started, we started with sleep, the hormones and waking up in the middle of the night. Yeah, but, yeah go ahead. I think so many tips that you can give for resetting your circuit besides turning off your digital device, but. Yeah, so we open up right away with the seven day sleep challenge, which is based in the science of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So if you can't afford to pay someone or insurance isn't going to cover it, we put it right there on the book for you in a seven day sleep challenge. And the best part is do this with your team at work. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. That's a cool. Because you want to sleep and everybody has that one person on their team, doesn't it? 
that, that, in the middle of the night. At 1059 p.m. And mm-hmm. you see all and you're like, if I don't respond, are people going to think I'm not a hard worker? Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. do this with your team. And also because then the whole team is happy yeah. and rested. And, and they matter. They think yeah. they And what I know as a doctor and chief wellness officer is when you do a team ritual that is based in wellness that everyone can participate in, everybody feels cared for, like you said, and that they matter and that they belong. And there isn't like the fat shaming that can happen if you bring in Weight Watchers to the workplace or do a step challenge and someone's must be nice, but I sprained my ankle and can't do it or something like that. This is something almost everyone can do unless you're a new parent. And then, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That so sleep, hormones, inflammation, food, technology. So shift. And it's this protocol that's right in her book, listeners. So the busy brain cure, get it. You can probably pre-order it right now. Unless by the time this comes out, it's actually already released, which may be True. So check it out. It'll be in about the same Yeah. Romy, tell us how people can get a hold of you, learn more about your work and where your book is sold. Oh, thank you. I just want to end with this one thing because you had me open with it. I remember that moment when I realized I was not okay at work. Mm. I wrote this book because I remember what it feels like to be that alone. And so my intention mm. is by us having this candid conversation that if you're out there and you're feeling alone, thinking I'm the only one, that's a busy brain fooling you. I just, I want you to know that your brain is not broken and your mind is not a mess and hope didn't depart your soul. Like the three of us are here with you on this podcast as you're listening to it, consciously creating this energy for you to remind you're not alone. And I really wanted to end with that because- Oh, I love that. That's that's beautiful. Yes, for sure. So many of us have been. We have. We're we're broken. Everybody else is fine. True. Yeah. Yeah. So that's very sweet. Thank you. And and that is, and Dr. Romy on social media, our website will give you the link for everyone can take the busy brain test for free and get your brain score. And and I want to know what your comfort foods are. So tag all of us and uh, on social media and and tell us your comfort food. I love learning about comfort food. (laughs) Because they're so taboo. We've made them so taboo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like your mom. No more. I love it. This is, you are delightful. I love your work. It's definitely something we believe in. So we're getting the book. We encourage our listeners to get the book and we wish you much success. Thank you. And thank you for all the work you both are doing to have candid conversations with leaders. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P.